See, once I hit the record button, everybody gets super quiet. Yeah. Everybody gets nervous. Nobody wants to be the... No. Yeah, you got scared the first time you did this, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. Well, well, well. My, my, my. Well, well, well. Let's take a ride. All right, so uh, before, we, before we move forward on any of the things, you guys want to introduce yourselves on the microphone so everybody knows who's, who's what's up? Hi, I'm Stephanie. Um, I'm from the Newman Center at UNLV, and I also help out or volunteer at St. Anthony's and Holy Spirit. Hi, I'm Carrie. I go to St. Anthony's. Well, hi, my name is Anthony. Uh, I am a peer minister at the Newman Center at UNLV. Hi, I'm Nate, and I'm from Our Lady of the Valley in Pahrump. Yeah, with Maria Gonzalez. Do you know Maria? Um, I know Annette. I I actually did meet Maria once. She's awesome. Yeah, I love her. Really she's nice. amazing. Yeah, yeah. She finally got herself an assistant over there, man. She's been running that. She's been running that ministry for like I don't know, fifteen, twenty years or something by herself, and she finally just got an assistant this year. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Just like with Our Lady of the Valley, it's just when I first started going out there. I bought a house recently in Pahrump, and um, like actually yeah july august time frame and um the folks have been really nice although i will say this though early the valley uh, there's not very many young people you have yeah, that makes sense you got <laughs> a lot of retirees and um a lot of younger kids like maybe just before high school and then um i think there's only like two adults and i think the entire parish and i'm one of them nice <laughs> All right, so um, if you've never listened to the show before, uh, we'll do a, a really awkward introduction that doesn't make any sense. But we will also um, talk about what we're drinking. So, because uh, on this show, if you've ever... <laughs> you have no idea what you're drinking. <laughs> okay, just make it up. We'll just, it'll, it'll totally be fine. It's totally fine. Beer. Beer. All right, who's going to go first? I guess we can go in the order we introduce ourselves. There you go. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, Look so at I this. Had, I had an ale from a can. Uh, <laughs> Is it um, good? It's delicious. It was like Great Basin, and it had a beautiful Van Gogh-looking picture on it. So that's why I picked it. Nice. Van Gogh beer? Van Gogh beer. I'm drinking Angry Orchard Hard Fruit Cider Peach Mango. It's gluten-free. And it's gluten-free. Gluten Look yeah. at that. I'm drinking. <laughs> 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 Underage over here, but a Sprite. There we go. There we go. Two more years. Just two more years. You can be able to legally bound a drink. But just remember, in, in other countries, you, you are allowed to go up into the bar at 16 yeah. years old and get a beer and a hard liquor what, at 18. What are you drinking, though? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking an Angry Orchard hard cider. Shout out to my friend Andrew because he likes to drink those all the time. Gluten-free. Gluten-free, yeah. It's emphasis on gluten-free. Naturally gluten-free. 5% alcohol by volume. Warning by the Surgeon General. This is not... (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I just got a a simple stone hazy IPA and just enjoying the evening. We, uh, before we jump into our commentary, we just went to the last Coffee and Creed of the first of the Coffee and Creed seasons. I don't know if there will be another season, but this was the first. The first of... uh, um, the. Uh, for, hopefully many the four season four um little standalone talks that you could go to and this was with connie clough and she talked about um the eucharist using the uh, road to emmaus as her framing device and so we're going to insert the talk right here and then our commentary will come in afterwards so enjoy the talk everybody okay how's that So what I would like for us to do, and if you saw my Instagram video, I really want to focus on living the Eucharistic life through the eyes of the Emmaus story, the road to Emmaus. So I'd like to start with the proclamation of that gospel of the story on the road to Emmaus. Is there somebody who's an awesome proclaimer and would like to do that? No pressure. All right, so... I guess we could start uh, with the sign of the cross. So let's mark the sign of our faith in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The road to Emmaus. That very same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were walking together about all that had happened. 
Now as they talked this over, Jesus himself came up and walked by their side. But something prevented them from recognizing him. He said to them, What matters are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped short, their faces downcast. Then one of them, called Cleopas, answered him, You must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there these last few days. What things, he asked, all about Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, who provided he was a great prophet by the things he said and did in the sight of God and all the whole people. And how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and had him crucified. Our own hope had been he would be the one to set Israel free. And this is not all. Two whole days have gone by since it all happened. And some women from our group have astounded us. They went to the tomb in the early morning. And when they did not find the body, they came back to tell us they had seen a vision of angels who declared he was alive. Some of our friends went to the tomb and found everything, exactly as the women had reported. But of him they saw nothing. Then he said to them, You foolish men, so slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that the Christ should suffer and so enter into his glory? Then, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout the scriptures that were about himself. When they drew near to the village to which they were going, he made as if to go on, but they pressed him to stay with them. It is nearly evening, they said, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, while he was with them at the table, he took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke it and handed it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he had vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They set out that instant and returned to Jerusalem. Then they found the eleven assembled together with their companions, who said to them, Yes, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told their story of what had happened on the road and how they had recognized him at the breaking of bread. So you're all familiar with this story, right? GV has a little task that she and some of her friends maybe are going to do for me. There are five movements in this reading. I want you to pick a team, whether it's your table, three, four, five of you, whatever you want to do. Jeevy's going to give you a little stack of five pieces of paper that are the five movements in this reading. And I want you to put them in order of how you heard the reading. Or if you have a, if you have a Bible with you, you can, you know, it's okay to open the Bible, <laughs> whether it's on your phone or whatever. But I would like you to identify the five movements in this walk on the road to Emmaus as identified on these little pieces of paper. All right? It's a little bit of a competition. I have prizes. On your market set, go. And now a word from our sponsors. So what, what verses talk about loss? Did the rest of you get those two? Good job. Talk to me about loss. What part of this reading was about loss? Hello? Pardon me? Because Jesus died, right? So when, you know, they said all had come to nothing, they had lost him. This, this is based on a book that is your prize, actually. That's why I didn't give it to you yet, because I don't want you peeking. So... Um, they lost him, not just Jesus, but with him they lost themselves too because the loss of mission, the loss of understanding of who they were and what they were being called to do. So the energy that had filled their days and nights for all those weeks with Jesus left them. It left them. But the Eucharist for us presents another option. It's the possibility to choose not resentment over the loss 
but gratitude for the time that we had. So living Eucharistically is living life as a gift and a gift for which we are grateful. All right, what about presents? Jesus there when? <laughs> right, right. And, and what was the interesting thing about him? Because they said, don't you know what happened these last few days? What did he do? Because he was telling them the story, right? The story about himself. The story about the scripture that related to himself. Have you ever heard a story told by someone that you had never heard tell that story before, and there's something new in that story? Because of the storyteller, right? Because of the way the story is told. It's not a new story, but it's sometimes heard from a new perspective. So here we see that Eucharist, as we celebrated in the sacred liturgy, calls us to a Eucharistic life, a life in which we are continuously aware of our role in the sacred story of God's redemptive presence through all generations. When we celebrate Eucharist together, there's two movements of the Mass, right? Right? What are they? Liturgy of the Word and Liturgy of the Eucharist. So what was Jesus practicing in that opportunity where he was present to them? Liturgy of the Word, right? All right. So what about invitation? What was the invitation? Somebody else. What was the invitation? (laughs) Who made the invitation? Mm Mm-mm. Cleopas, yeah, and his companion. And what was the invitation? Stay with us. Stay with us. Do you invite everybody, every stranger you meet walking on the road to come stay at your house? <laughs> Vinny does. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of bad about that, too. <laughs> um, so the invitation was made by Cleopas, by the apostles, for Jesus to stay with them. Why? Why did they invite him? They wanted to hear more, and they, were all, they had made it home, right? The seven miles, they had made it home, and he had walked with them that whole journey and talked to them and told them the story. So what had Jesus said initially? When they were stopping, he said he made as if he was going to continue going, right? He was going to go on until they invited him in. Jesus never forces himself on us. Jesus always waits for us to invite him. And so unless and until we invite him into our lives, he will always remain a stranger, maybe a very attractive stranger, maybe an intelligent stranger with whom we have interesting interaction and conversation, but a stranger nevertheless. Only with an invitation to come and stay with me can an interesting encounter develop into a transforming relationship. And relationship with Christ is what we're all after, right? So at the moment of the Eucharistic celebration, and even more of our Eucharistic life, the creed is much more than a summary of the doctrine of the church. The creed is a profession of faith, and it's an act of trust that we dare to open ourselves to communicate with Jesus. All right, what about communion in the reading? The walk to Emmaus. The breaking bread. The breaking of the bread. And we do that too. I don't know, were any of you, some of you were at the conference. Did you hear Scott, Dr. Scott Hahn's talk at the diocesan conference? He talked about the fact that his son had recently been ordained a priest. And he said, I, I bless bread. I break it. I give it. But it's not the same as when my son does it now. Because now when he does it, It's the body of Christ. But we are all called to bless, to break, and to give to one another, right? The other thing about that is there's a story in the book. The book, by the way, is by Henri Nouwen. So he gives great stories. He was one of the people who developed, um, instituted the L'Arche community, which was a community for developmentally disabled adults. So... He says, he tells a story about a man who poured water on 
a piece of dry ground. And the water just kind of, you ever poured water on the ground here when it's dry? It just kind of runs off to wherever it can get to. Then he took the dirt and he broke it up and he poured the water. And what happens then? It absorbs the water. So when it's broken is when it's most open to receiving things. Part of the conference talked about becoming. We're called to become the body of Christ in the world. We are called to be the body of Christ in the world. We are called to be broken. We are called to be blessed. We are called to be poured out. We are called to be shared with others. So when you hear this reading again, think about those movements. So in the same way, when did they recognize him? In the breaking of the bread. And what happened as soon as they recognized him? He vanished. He disappeared from their sight, right? So communion creates community because the God living in us makes us recognize the God in our fellow humans. We cannot see God in the other person. Only God in us can see God in the other person. Only God in us can see God in the other person. So communion makes us look at each other not about the latest news, but about he who walked with us, Jesus. Because he disappeared from our sight, we, we are alone, physically alone, but we're together because each of us is in communion with him and has become one body through him. So communion and mission in the reading, the road to Emmaus. Yes, ma'am. Being able to share the good news with the community. So everything changed for them in that moment when they knew it was Jesus. Despair had turned into excitement to share the good news that Jesus was alive. And what happened once they got back to share the good news? When they arrived with their news, they find out Jesus was here too. They had seen Jesus as well. Their friends had already seen Jesus. So there are lots of ways that Jesus appears to us in our lives, and there are lots of ways that he lets us know that he's alive. We can't narrow Jesus down to only our Jesus. We cannot do that. We can't narrow his love to our experience of love or our way of knowing him. Jesus left us, so to send his spirit, and the spirit when we listen attentively, manifests itself in many people. And that's how we can gradually discern who we are called to be as one body knitted together by the Spirit of Jesus. So it's the difference between doubt and faith, despair and hope, fear and love. Communion is not the end. Mission is the end. We are conclude, Our masses conclude with the words in Latin, who knows? Yes, which means literally? Mm-mm. Say, that, say it in Latin again. Ite misa est. Which means? Go, this is your mission. Go, this is your mission. It's not about the Mass is ended. Go, this is your mission. Those of you from Thomas More who knew Father Mike Kelleher, Father Mike used to say, I know why people leave Mass early. Because they're so excited to get out in the world and share the good news of Christ. They can't even wait for me to bless them and commission them. They just have to go. Okay? So the mission... Our mission is to go forth. So the focus, liturgy of the word, liturgy of the Eucharist, but it ends with mission. Are we good? Questions? Comments? Cool? Yes? She asked, what does it mean for God in us to see God in the other person? I think that we can only recognize God when we know God. So if we ourselves know God, 
then we can be open to seeing God in others. Does that make sense? It is a little esoteric. It's on, it's on Renowen, so <laughs> it is esoteric, yes. I, I think that's true. She said sometimes you just get a calling or a feeling that you go up to talk to somebody, and you know, today, I had that experience today, actually. One of my friends who's helping us to put an event together is really struggling because the event is not, I don't think the event is going to happen. And she feels like it's her own personal failure. And this morning as I was driving to work, I felt it on my heart to call her. And then I got another call and then I got into the office and then this happened and then that happened. And then the next thing you know, I had an email from her where she, I could tell she was crying when she wrote the email. So I picked up the phone and called her. But I think you're right. I think it's about knowing when you have the heart of a good Christian person, you can oftentimes feel other people's need and feel other people's pain. So, so that's part of it. But I still believe that what Henri Nouwen is talking about is that you can't recognize something you don't know. It's like I was saying, you know, Jesus, you can invite Jesus in and open your doors and invite Jesus in, but unless you invite him in, it's like they always say, you know, when people say, I can't find God, well, God never turns from us. We turn from God sometimes, but God never turns from us. So it's us who need to turn around when we can't find God. Anything else? Yes. Mm -hmm. In the footnotes, if you have a really good Catholic study Bible, I know Ryan does. If you have a really good (laughs) Catholic study Bible in the footnotes about the, the journey on the road to Emmaus, it talks about how it led us to understand how the early church celebrated their liturgies. So good study Bibles are good things to have. They have introductions. They have lots of good footnotes. And when someone says, how did you know that? And he said, footnotes. <laughs> yes, sir. Part of it is going through suffering. Part of it really is going through suffering. And I, don't, I think that we aren't off, often when we are not, and I don't mean literally broken, like, but really, what, what was the situation of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus? They were brokenhearted. Their spirits were broken. Their hearts were broken. Jesus had died. Nothing that they thought was going to happen happened. Instead, they see their friend brutally beaten and crucified and die. So that is about being heartbroken. It's about having despair. And sometimes that leads to resentment. And there's lots of ways in our lives that we're broken. Lots of ways. And lots of ways that we experience loss. So that sometimes is when we're at our most vulnerable, maybe, and that's when we're most able to, if we really focus, that's when we're most able to accept those messages. It is in weakness um, that where, where God is made strong. It's in our weakness. It's in our brokenness. It's in our, it's, it's, that is the message of the cross. In death and in suffering is whenever God works his, his grace. Exactly. Thank you, David. I asked Hector if we could close um, this part of the talk with the prayer about a song by Matt Marr called Remembrance. And so I do have permission to copy it, and so I did copy it, so you can all take it and have the words and sing along. I'm sure it's a song that you're familiar with. So as these papers are being handed around, if we could just uh, open our hearts to really hear how God works in our lives, how God moves us, and that we don't all have to be moved in the same direction, at the same speed, at the same time. But it doesn't mean that we're not being moved, that God is not calling us. Okay? So what were your thoughts? All right, Steph. All right. Um, so, like I had mentioned, uh, I feel like that was a really great ending to the series. Um, 
just because a lot of us had been talking about how broken we felt or how heavy the month had been feeling. So we were all like broken and discouraged this month in our own way. So her going through and reading this was kind of what a lot of us individually needed Mm. and kind of a reminder of what it is that we're doing, why we have that desire and passion in our hearts um, to spread God's word using the gifts that we're given and the struggles that we're facing and how we can get connected again with our community and keep going forward. That's awesome. Yeah, for young adults, I feel like the fall is is deadly essentially cuz the young like there's so much um stress and change packed into a, such a short period of time. You and then and then add any kind of emotional fallout to that and oh my goodness, like the it's how do you function, you know? And so stuff like this is really up, uplifting, especially that um, I can't remember. It was one of the girls who had, who had said, like, oh, no, I think it was the, the guy from Australia. It was somebody who had talked about um, – it was somebody uh, – who had talked about, like, uh, how is um, how is my brokenness? And that resonated with me. I was like, well, that's that's where God's power – that's where God's power is, is in, is in our weakness and our brokenness. And um, knowing that in the times of, like – uh, young adult land in um, college and work and all these things that are just blowing up. That's got to be encouraging to be like God is God is most with me when I'm most broken. Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> just drop the mic right now. Don't drop any of my mics. These are expensive. <laughs> no. All right. All right. What else? What are, what else? What stuck out? What was something that resonated with you during the thing? There we go. Okay, so I feel like the past week for me has been like a very much of a struggle and what I was looking for is like God to be present within me. Um last week I had my first adoration mm. and so the whole time I was talking and I was like Jesus, I know you can hear me. Like I need this to be a two-way conversation and like give me something to work with because I don't know what's going on right now. And um, later on that day after adoration with my uh, young adult ministry, I just felt like something was taken from me. It was like a wave of humility. And that was, that was kind of my theme for the week is just like to be okay with humility. And like, you know, I took it, but it was just like, okay, I can't be around like my friends right now. I have to take my leave and try to figure out what's going on Um, with today. Uh, they were talking about how we take the Eucharist and we continue the day after Mass to do God's mission and how we're all Jesus and Jesus is within within us. And it's just like, okay, well, I I haven't been opening my eyes enough to see that Jesus is like right in front of me with all of you guys. And I should be able to approach you guys like I would approach Jesus and I would be able to approach you like I was Jesus, you know. Right. Just to be able to like have that conversation and give you the love that Jesus would have, and hopefully expect the same love you guys would would want from me, you know. Yeah, C.S. Lewis had um, called that like he he named that feeling that um, that I guess necessity of encountering another person as the weight of glory, because he had said that um, whenever we encounter um, other other people in in our life, we've never encountered a mere mortal. We've we've encountered somebody that if we were to meet us uh, in in our final end would be a, a splendor which you might be tempted to bow down and worship right now, or a um, a terror you know if we end up in hell is like the the uh, the stuff of your nightmares type deal, and then he calls it the weight of glory because like the way we interact with others leads that person towards one of those two ends. I'm like that's that's a heavy weight you know, but but then that encouragement of like. Christ is is doing the encountering in us, right? If if we to the extent that we allow him, right? To the extent that we open ourselves up to what Christ wants to do in our lives and be really docile to the Holy Spirit in the moment. Not like I think what a lot of people uh struggle with is like when it comes to the Holy Spirit they're like, "Oh, uh God guide me at what what school to go to or what college or what job or what major or whatever." No, it's more like Lord, guide me right now. <laughs> what, what's what's the thing you want me to do right now, and I'll do it. You know, and that's 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 why I think we we struggle a little bit. Yeah, cool. 
Um, well, with my thoughts yeah, yeah. and uh, what happened today, uh, it, and going back into you know being young, young adults in the world, uh, from what I've learned is that when you grow up, the first catechesis are your parents, and yep. they're your main support, and they're gonna help you throughout your life up until when you go to college. You don't have that support anymore, so it's a lot of like a hundred percent. Uh, up to you if you want to continue your faith in Christ. And luckily for me, I've had that relationship with my parents in wanting to grow in Catholicism. Where, just move that mic in front of you right here. Where, hello. Yeah. yeah, just move it this way so that way you can... There, there yeah. you go. But, uh, <laughs> that way you can talk naturally without having the... Okay. But, uh, and uh, getting into, like, UNLV and everything, it has pushed me to be more individual. Or uh, just having those experiences in adoration where I'm so into it that a lot of people notice and they tell me afterwards, like, oh, my gosh, I love it. How When you're just in the room and there's not a lot of Catholics who are young like you, which mm-hmm. we do need to see more in the world yeah. and just provide that for our students. Because I feel like sometimes we might feel neglected from others who don't want to support us. So it's uh, really hard to try to find that connect those connections. Um and definitely, like, for me, I've grown in my love for the Eucharist to where sometimes it would, I'd be driving and I'll, like, randomly think about Jesus in the Eucharist and, like, I start bawling to where it's, it's such an amazing experience for me. Um, and getting into that world of brokenness, you know, I've gone through a lot of things personally in my life with, like, anxiety and depression. But always having that main focus with Christ and the Eucharist has helped me become a better person, become a better Catholic, and, you know, be humble to listen to others. Cool. Those are my two cents. Yeah, and they... <laughs> uh, that's going to be hard to beat for Anthony. I- I'll say <laughs> what that. What do you mean um, beat? This is a competition. Never a competition. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, Just all right. sharing your experience right, and talking about what, 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 you, what you took out of the talk. And, and okay. I'll back up a little bit. So, um, uh, so last coughing period, we had George Leo Thomas gave her a talk, and I actually DLT. had, a, yeah. I actually had a chance to talk with him afterwards. And I kid you not, um, I, I think he's right. Yes, he is. Uh, he is a grumpy uh, bishop, not in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. In a very good way. Um, because when I met him, I told him, "Hey, um, it was right before my right of welcome at Our Lady of the Valley in Pahrump. I let the bishop know, and um, it was funny when he said that, yeah, I know, and he's like, oh, yeah, and I'm going, I'm finishing up RCA this year in uh, Easter, and he says, oh, yes, I know, I will be there. <laughs> That's awesome. Count on it. Yeah, he, he, I was counting on it, and uh, actually, um, I was talking to Bishop a little bit more. He's like, you know, I'm going to, he gave me homework. This is why I guess he's a little, he can be a little mean <laughs> in a good way. Uh, he um, gave me homework. He had me start watching Dr. Scott Hahn. Okay, cool. And Dr. Scott Hahn had a really good talk recently about the Eucharist and actually about the same um, passage that we were talking about tonight. Yeah. And um, I, I really like Dr. Scott's, uh, Dr. Hahn, Scott Hahn's um, comment on that. He's like, yeah, Jesus appears to, like, basically two nobodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them's not even named. It's Clopas and somebody else. Well, <laughs> the, according to Dr. Scott Hahn, the, the theorize that it's St. Luke. But well, Mark. Some people think it's Mark. Or Mark. Mm-hmm. It's one of the one of the one of the other authors of the gospel of one of the other gospels. But anyway, it was just the fact that um that it, like two very unknown people that Jesus appears to and explains everything. Like it's like the Bible, the the greatest Bible study. Right. That's not written down. Right. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and, and it's like like the Doctor Scott Hahn's like, you know, I wish I was there <laughs> to be able to actually be able to hear Jesus explain everything from Genesis right. all the way through Moses up until now. <laughs> and so how, how he's the complete completion of everything. And, um, but also made me realize too, is just going off Anthony's point that, um, I've like, not only is it hard for young Catholics, but even some of us who are trying to convert to become Catholic yeah, and myself included, like it's been quite a journey. The, um, the last few years going from living in Las Vegas, going to St. Anthony's to now moving out to a prompt, going to Our Lady of the Valley and um, definitely had a lot of questions, that's for sure. And I think I've annoyed a few people with all my questions, but, you know. 
That's at least my two cents on it. Questions are questions are good because questions mean you're actually taking your faith th- seriously. I've always loved that. Like whenever I have a, a confirmation student or a young adult or somebody like that who's asking questions, that's where you know like the Holy Spirit's moving this person's life because like the people that aren't asking questions are the people who don't care. Like this is this isn't serious. I'm just going through the motions. This this doesn't really ultimately matter to me in any kind of uh, ultimate sense. And so the questions are good. Like Jesus in Luke's gospel, whenever he's in the temple, what does it say that he's doing? He says he's, he's questioning. He's questioning the scribes and the Pharisees. It's a higher level of thinking. It's a, it's, this is, this matters. And I have questions for you. Yeah. yeah plus to the fact I've been asking all like the logical questions, like, okay, what if this <laughs> does this, if this leads to that, what about this condition has to be met to this. And my favorite question I like to ask is what if I commit a mortal sin one minute before mass? And the, the response I always get is what are you doing one minute before mass? Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Murdering. <laughs> I mean, in the parking lot. Season, yeah. like. <laughs> there was somebody in the parking lot that just, I gotta, I gotta hit him. I gotta hit him with my car. I just gotta do it. <laughs> I mean, there was that one lady who did run over a priest in California. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. I saw that. Yeah, and um, I remember, he, and actually, the what was it, it was terrible. It was terrible that that happened. But I guess the funny part later was that um, she went to confession. It was the same priest she ran over. That's hilarious. <laughs> what? That's hilarious. That, that's like that's just like dark humor. If you get it, it's just like oh, that's so weird. Okay, now I'm really Bless all for it. <laughs> I'm the one that ran you over. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Cool. Any other thoughts or things that stuck out that uh, was mentioned tonight that you want to share? Um, so kind of elaborating on the brokenness aspect, um, I had sent Anthony and Carrie and some close friends of mine that like I kind of was talking to about brokenness. Um, I feel like something that's missing and like I think the reason why there's like that disconnect and that doubt to begin with and why people go on this type of journey like they had um, is like we all experience brokenness sometimes like from like church hurt or if we didn't have good parents who you know took us to church because they actually wanted to go not because they were just going through the motions to get us to go through communion and confirmation um and so that's like a topic that's been on my heart like a heavy like thing my spirit's been telling me to talk about it so here i am um but my, my, but my biggest thing is just church hurt and how do we address that brokenness because the reason i think some of us have that brokenness even within the church is because we don't feel safe enough to talk to other members of the community unless we have like other young adults like us who are here right now. Mm. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, that's the thing is that when it comes to the church, we have to keep in mind that like, yeah, she's the perfect spotless bride of Christ, but constantly her people are called to conversion, right? We are full of sinners, and church hurt is always going to be there. Like, the church is always going to look like what it did whenever Jesus was on the cross. You have Christ crucified between thieves. That's, that's church, the presence of God amongst us. That's a hot mess, right? And so, um, to me, it's okay to be angry. There's, there's really good reasons to be angry with church members and church uh, people individually, Um the danger would becomes whenever like that anger pushes you away from the church because we do not leave Christ because of Judas. You know, that's that's not something that we do. It's it's you hold on to the fact that like all right, these people might be messed up, but this is where Christ is. You know, and so like you deal with the hurts as they come along, and to the extent that you have a field of of a um, I guess area of influence in that. Then you do what you can, and you work. You work in the areas that you can to to affect change. Um, but in the areas of like stuff that's just going to always be there, like the corruption of of the curia or whatever it happens to be, you know that's that's always been there, right? There was a, a there's a story. I don't remember. I don't remember who originally told it or the guy's name, but um, he basically told that he was trying to convert this guy. He was talking to him about the faith, and, and um, the guy was, was interested in coming, becoming Catholic. And he said, oh, you know what? I'm so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going go to go on a visit to Rome and going to get to go to the Vatican and see the inner workings and all this stuff. And he was excited because he was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the faith, so this is going to be a great experience for me. But the guy that, that was, you know, talking to him about the faith, he's like all nervous now because he's going to see – Rome, you know, and then the curia and some of the corruption that might be going on there. 
And then when the guy comes back and says, I'm ready to become Catholic, because there is no way that a church that messed up cannot be uh, um, guided, sustained by the supernatural, right? God has to be the one that's sustaining us in the midst of our hot mess. And so that's always been encouraging to me. The fact that we existed throughout some of like the worst people of all of history tells me that God's the only one that's keeping this thing afloat. Yeah. Yeah. But what kind of, like, are you, are you comfortable talking about the church? Okay. Like, what's, well, like what's going on? Um, I guess, like, things I've, I've observed with um, Anthony and some of my other peer ministers or my own personal experiences, it's like when we do have these questions, because I've always had the gift of the Spirit when I was younger, um, and I'm a very talkative child. I was, I, <laughs> I, was I, I have ADHD, it's late diagnosed, but it, it was just, I always had questions on my mind, and I, I, I was like, oh, you know, like, why does God allow suffering? Or why does, why do people die younger than others? Or um, how does the concept of life and death? And these are like a six-year-old asking these questions. And people would just tell me like, you ask too many questions. Like, don't worry <laughs> about it. Like, you'll learn about it in communion. And I'm just like... In communion. <laughs> I want to see what that communion class is like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, but like, th- these are real questions. Like, when right. you have the Spirit, like, calling you close to God, you do have these questions. And they come up whenever they decide to come up. And like, when someone tells you to hold, like, hold, please. Then it's like, then the Spirit dies. Like... You have that fire. You have that passion. You want to serve God already. But then people discourage you. But the church is supposed to build you up, not build you down. Right. And so that's where, I guess, that's where I'm trying to, like, find ways on how we can correct that. So, like, I know elders have a lot of stuff going on. Like, my parents, I've seen them deal with work and raising us and all these things. And I know church leaders have to worry about uh, confirmation, getting, like, the bishop ready, getting all these things done. So I guess it's like, how do we find a balance to like also have that humility to help address the questions of the youth, like right. especially with pressing questions like abortion or you know, um, being active sexually before marriage. Like these are questions youth have, but we don't get the like correct answers. And there's no right answer. There's just good advice and always turning back to God, no matter what. Like I wish I had had that guidance when I was younger. But I didn't. So that's why I want to speak for the youth today, I guess. Very good. You, you know, the answer is you listen to Among Wolves. Uh, <laughs> the episode we did on abortion, the episode we did on extramarital sex, and the episode we did on a smoking pot. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just kidding. No, but to, to your point, like I think a lot of def- I think a lot of adults, especially adults in the church, deflect those questions because they don't have good answers, and that is um, that's a fault of our own. In that most adults have at best like a fourth grade level understanding of their faith, and that's not okay because like Saint Paul calls calls the calls the people out on it. He says he says. You guys are adults. Don't drink. Don't drink mother's milk. You need to have the meat of of faith. You have the, the meat of the faith in in your life, and uh, but we're so just happy enough knowing that Jesus loves us, and that's okay, right? And so, whenever these difficulties of life, we, just, we our answer is, oh, just be nice. But then, when you have like these really tough questions, nobody has any answers for you, and that's not okay. And so, you keep asking the questions, and you find those people that have the answers out there. Because there are some of us who are like, we dedicate our lives to knowing this stuff. We dedicate our lives to finding answers to this stuff. Because I was you, like whenever I was in high school and and when I was in middle school, like I don't even think I believed in God in middle school. Like that's that I was I was. Like, this stuff didn't make any sense to me. And then when I went to high school, like, um, I, my, dad, my dad's dad was a Baptist preacher, right? And so I grew up knowing Scripture really, really well. And I'm like, when I'd go to CCD classes or catechism classes, I knew the answers that the teachers didn't know. And I'm like, this is dumb. These guys just mem- <laughs> memorized a bunch of stuff, and this is, this is it. And then I met people um, like uh, my first youth minister in in high school. Her name was Michelle Marr, who she didn't necessarily have um, the heady answers, but her faith was real. It wasn't just a recited questions. And she she said she would say like I don't know that you think you get your answer, but I know that there is one, right? And she would point me in different directions. Um, 
And that was what I found valuable. And then I was able to find like St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine and, and all these saints that had answers to the very questions that you're asking and, and was able to just build my faith from there. And I'm like, I, people need to know this stuff. And you know, so I've dedicated my life to teaching the faith. You know, that's, that's what I do. And so, um, yeah, you just keep asking and you don't stop, you know, just trust that there, that, that, um, God established a church, not a dumb church. There's a lot of dumb people in the church, but we're not a dumb. <laughs> we're not a dumb church, right? I'm just like we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? But uh, um, but yeah, there there are people, and there's a, there's a lot of them, and you just got to find them. You just kind of keep searching out and keep keep seeking, because not that's that's if like you go to the Greek, knock and uh, knock, seek and, and ask, right? That's. Knock and keep knocking, seek and keep seeking, ask and keep asking. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not a one. The, the, the tense is is a continuation of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of our uh, last week's uh, gospel reading about the um, the persistent parable, widow. the persistent widow. Yeah, how, good job, man. That's awesome. Uh, you're not even Catholic. Look at this. <laughs> well, I'm not almost. Yet. He's, I'm in, conver- he's in progress. I mean, I, it's uh, in utero. please uh, in utero. Catholic. Uh, uh, please wait for a final loading screen of Catholicism. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. anyway. the other Catholics are like, "What was the reading last week?" So <laughs> let me explain the reading. So Jesus talks about, like, gives the parable to his disciples about the widow and the um, corrupt judge Mm -hmm. in which the widow keeps persistently asking this corrupt judge hey hear my case hey keep hearing my case what's what's wrong with you why aren't you going to advocate for me and um, i really liked what uh, father bruno said um last saturday about is that typically during that period a lot of the officials in the roman like in the roman empire at that time were very corrupt you actually had to bribe your way in Mm. to actually get your case heard yeah and the widow represents someone who's been repressed, doesn't have anyone to advocate for them. So you have this point where, because of her persistence, like praying without, like praying without, praying unceasingly, trying to get, like, make sure that petition's heard. And eventually the corrupt judge is like, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll hear her case. And Jesus makes a really good point. It's like, well, if the corrupt judge is finally going to hear this widow's case, well, how much more is it going to be for our heavenly Father when we when we talk to him? Right, and we're persistent like that. That's awesome. That's great, man. Great tie-in. Look at that. I know. And also to go to your point, I I, I kind of understand your upbringing because um, I grew up a pastor's kid. Oh, so nice. Yeah. So I um, I had to memorize uh, scripture forward, backwards, sideways, any which way, and um, exactly. And um, ultimately, my crisis, uh, like really, what came down for me was um, when I was in college. I was always a believer, but I always feared that something was missing in my life, and um, I ended up reading the Bible, at least the Protestant Bible. Like four times, That's front awesome. to cover every single word. We would discuss with my Bible study group I was with as a Protestant. We would discuss every single word, and when we start getting into Acts, I had questions. Mm. When we start getting to Revelation, I had even more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and um, ultimately, I wish that I would have made this connection because growing up pastors, and I knew the I knew the Bible, right. but um, like I didn't know enough. Like I knew it my mind but i didn't know it well enough my heart and that became a problem was the fact that i was like when i started reading revelation i was like what is it talking about this woman in revelation and i start flipping back i says wait a minute wait a minute jesus the new adam mary is the new eve mary is the ark of the new covenant christ is that is the new covenant oh man why did i not see this 20 years ago (laughs) Because it's it's the best kept secret now, uh, no, just, and that was just, um, and that was just, and I made those connections when I was in college, and I yeah. really wish I would have made those earlier. But I guess too, there had to be a bit of growth and a bit yeah. of maturity on my part because it was one of those I took it for granted. I was like, well, maybe I can just be um, ignorant about some things in my life. But then that wasn't enough. At some point, you're like, I'm hungry. And, and that that became yeah. the point was the fact that um I had I was asking that the people I was around could not answer the questions I was asking the fact yep. that um and ultimately you cannot fault a religion just because of some bad people that's right 
<laughs> yeah, there's it's a really interesting section of the catechism. It's in the it's in the beginning part when it talks about faith, and it gives um, there's there are things called like the modes of credibility, like why we believe in God, why we believe that Jesus is the incarnation, all these things, and then it talks about like reasons for doubt in faith, and if you looked at those reasons. Um, like you like they'll all resonate with you like there's some this just uh, uh my past experience or suffering that i've endured or uh bad people in the church you know all these things but none of them actually ever um none of those doubts i guess none of those obstacles probably a better word to say are actual doubts when you think about them because none of them have to do with the reality of god or the reality of christ right and none of them attack, like, the idea of um, a supreme God who's created the universe. Bad people in the church, like, they're just bad people in the church, but it draws us away from the idea that God exists that doesn't follow. That's how you know there's an enemy. That's how you know that a lot of this is spiritual warfare, right? Because these things, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that, um, that I've, I've gone through uh, great suffering, um, and therefore, Jesus isn't God anymore. You know that 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 doesn't that doesn't follow. There has to be there has to be arguments in between there that just don't happen. People don't make those arguments. They just jump to the the Christ isn't God anymore, right? And so that's how you know that's like there's something deeper going spiritually here, um, because none of those modes of uh, none of those uh, I guess moments of doubt or moments of obstacles become real uh problems to the the reality of god or the reality of christ um yeah and that's where why like i had a friend a young adult who was is is struggling through some stuff right now and like i could give her the heady answers you know like i know the the theological rightness right but that's not the problem right that's not what's drawing her away so instead i said hey come to this thing and I know at that thing, she's going to experience the love of good Christians that are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's exactly what she needs. She doesn't necessarily need, in that moment, the right answer. Although, I can give her that, too, if she wants it. Well, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but she, need, she needed to know that the love, she needed to know the love first. She needed to, to have the healing, the spiritual healing, before she got the theological answer. And so that's that's valuable too, and I think that you find that in like your relationships here and and the Newman Center and what you guys are doing. I think that's kind of the point of a young adults group. That's kind of the point is is to is to find those wounds, um, and first before you before you speak the theological truths into them, to to provide some of that healing, some of that that listening, that that ability to say like, yeah, that wasn't okay. Let me give you the right answer, you know. And it's definitely uh, creating those relationships and going back to like not getting the knowledge. I remember like going into confirmation classes and they would teach you the Catholic 101 things of, you know, okay, this is a Holy Trinity, but we're not going to go in depth of it. Or, you know, this is what we believe in about Mary, but we're not going to go in depth of it. And, you know, I'm over here as a freshman in high school and I only knew the basics. And then around the same time, I knew this one Protestant who he kept on attacking the Catholic Church and attacking me and asking me these questions. And it's like, I didn't feel confident enough to go to my confirmation teachers and ask, oh, like, why is Mary the new Ark of the Covenant? Where is that Bible scripture? Because that's not what they teach in confirmation. So I had to get my answers from Catholic uh, answers nice. and then that's how i started getting more into my faith which not a lot of people do you know a lot of people they like you guys said they would try but then when they don't have that support they'll just fall back right, they'll just fall away you know and then especially like getting into college and then if you don't have that support again where is your faith gonna go you know and especially like getting into newman centers and church hurt i've seen it before uh i've had my fair share of you know bad priests and not feeling accepted to where i started going to other parishes to try to find that community and at first it's just building that trust and you know finding a men's group if you want to know more about you know what it means to be a man in the church or you know what it means to be a woman in the church and having that value yeah. No, those are all really important. Like, that's what these, these groups are. Um, Pope John Paul II wrote, a, wrote um, 
Oh, I've got to. Refer- it's the 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 mission of the Redeemer was the name of the encyclical, and in it he talked about um, these ecclesial. Well, I can't remember the term that he used, but something about basically like these church movements that just came that just come out like these groups, right? Uh, that come out because of the the spirit calls them out, right? The the Holy Spirit calls them out because saying, "Hey, there's a need that it that needs that is not being met that needs to be met." And so these groups come about, and they start meeting those needs, right? So that's where you have your blessed is she's. You know, these things are coming out of nowhere. We have lots of these little, little. Yeah, you know what's up. We have lots of these little movements that are popping up all over the place because the Holy Spirit has not abandoned her, his her church. You know, the, the the church here is not being abandoned here, and. Um, the Holy Spirit is calling. He's calling out these movements to say, now's your time. This is what needs to be done. And this is, and so get on your podcast. Get on, get get in your group. Whatever it happens to subscribe. be. Subscribe. Like and subscribe, you know. It's funny you mentioned that because, like, I felt the Spirit telling me to talk to you. Oh, nice. And now here we are. There we all are. of us. Yeah. And, like, the, I just listen. Like, when you listen and you just let it pull you where it needs to pull you. Yeah. It's like, oh, Okay. And now we're here having this discussion. So and drinking like, a beer. Yeah. <laughs> we got the spirits in the or spirit. Sprite. Or a Sprite, yeah. I'm actually I'm glad for this opportunity because um, growing up Protestant, and I think it reminded me of this, is that um, I was always, like, growing up, I was very critical of Catholics. Yeah. Very, very critical. I kid you not. Like, if you want an example of ignorant Protestant, you just have to look at me just a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, but then I... Oh, <laughs> uh, like I, I sometimes I like when I hear Dr. Scott Hahn talk, I'm like, okay, that is the same minister I would have grown up listening to every Sunday, right? Kid you not. And um, actually hearing him talk and actually hearing of others, and it's like you know, I was like the fact that I was able to like just actually going through it. I uh, for at first I was like I was so resistant to it because I was like I had my mom she converted to Catholicism a few years ago. And I kid you not, if you breathed a word about Catholic Church around her, she, oh, around yeah. her, she would go off for an entire day yeah. talking about. It, which was at the time I didn't appreciate it, but you know now I kind of do a little bit more. But anyway, I, I realized is that I was um, trying. My, I was going through. Uh, like I was so ignorant of of being Catholic for the longest time because I knew people who got hurt by it in the past, and there there was a lot of things being said about the Catholic Church, and I was like, you know. Let me and I, I decided okay I'm going to find out about this because I wasn't getting the answers being Protestant, and then I went from being very much an ignorant Protestant to now I'm reflecting on three mysteries of the Rosary every day. Mm, nice. Um, I like to say for the longest time I kind of kept my faith in my pocket, and I just didn't know who to share it with or like be around when I wanted to talk about my faith, and it's kind of just always been in my heart. It's, it's not really heady at all. Um, and for a while, it was kind of like I've been trying to find communities just anywhere to to bring up my faith. And um, I had gone out um, to North California to work with my uncle after I had graduated college. And he was a different denomination. And I saw that he was very strong in his faith and I wanted to share with him too, but it was like, Oh no, you're, you're going to hell. And it was just like, Oh, I don't think, you worship Mary. I don't yeah. think, yeah, exactly. And I was like, um, but also you're super patriarchal and you don't, you put women yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, okay. Um, I don't, I don't think you've gotten this right, but I'm going to put my faith back in my pocket and crawl in a hole and kind of just like, Oh, da, da, da. um, and then like early on in school, um, I think I was wearing one of like my necklaces of, of Jesus and Mary and this girl approached me. She's like, Oh, would you like to come to our Bible study? I'm like, Oh, I love that. I, I'd really like to read the Bible, like more about the Bible. Later on, it brought up like God to mother and I'm like, Oh, um, no, I know those people. Yeah, and I, was just I like, had oh, fun conversations okay. with those people. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. But like, after I left that one study, she tried texting me back. I ghosted her. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, I no, can't do this anymore. I'm going to, again, put my faith back in my pocket. Um, 
early last year, me and my fiance got engaged and we're like, you know what? I want to be married under the Catholic Church and I want to do this right. So let's get confirmed. We got confirmed in May and it kind of just went on rolling and suddenly these communities started forming. I learned about Blessed Is She and all the things on social media and um, me and Steph grew very close. She was actually my brother's um, sponsor Nice. So she has been like a very good sister to me and I'm really thankful that like wherever this community kind of started or became like I'm I'm glad that I'm here and I'm glad I'm part of it and witnessing everything that's happening. That's what it's all about. And you know, with Catholicism it's great to see those communities because one thing is that the church it adapts to the world you know the the teachings it doesn't change because god's word it's supposed to be one interpretation Mm -hmm. which is my thing (laughs) yeah my thing about like you know the uh view about like catholicism and then protestants to where it's like if you're a protestant it's like oh okay if you really do have the holy spirit why are there thirty thousand plus denominations you know, the Holy Spirit should only be leading one interpretation. Right. And then with going back into these communities of, you know, Exodus 90, uh, Fiat, Blessed is She, is it's a way of how we could reach out to those people and then create those questions and answering those questions that people want to hear, you know, and then be mm-hmm. more educated. Because nowadays we have, what, like 70 people in the Catholic Church who don't, believe the Eucharist is 70%, actually Jesus. Yeah. 70%. 70%, 70% yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all these other people who are uneducated Catholics, and then going back with, like, Protestants, if they at, were to ask a Catholic a question about the church, and, you know, they only have the knowledge of Confirmation 101, that's going to take away the credibility of the church. And another thing is that, you know, when you leave Catholicism because of all those things, you had faith in the people, not in God, which should be the other way around, right. you know? Right. Yeah, I think so often is that that we hold on to, um, I think you're right, we hold on to people rather than holding on to Christ. Because people are, we we think that people or a group of people are going to make, reach our fulfillment, and only God's going to fulfill your life. That's that's who we're made for, right? That's where we find our fulfillment. People are constantly going to let us down. But Disney has taught us that, you know, somebody's going to fulfill your every need at some point. And so we, we screw that up. Yeah. Exactly. It's only, it's only God. God alone fulfills. God alone, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way. And I've also learned, try to, one of the things I've learned through reflecting on all three, reflecting on multiple mysteries of the rosary, because at first I thought, oh, I don't need, the Protestant in me was talking, I was like, oh, I don't need to pray the rosary. I don't need to do all these scripted prayers. I can just like go off on the unscripted prayers and just keep doing up. But actually there is a good, there's there is something to be said to have um uh to rely on um to to inter- to have Mary intercede for you. I mean, shoot, everyone listens to their mom, I mean, even Jesus. And um, there's a funny joke I've heard about this. <laughs> so um, Jesus is walking around in heaven and notices a lot of people who aren't supposed to be there. So Jesus goes down to the pearly white gates and asks Saint Peter, "Why is like why are there so many people here?" And uh, Saint Peter says, "It's not my fault." Uh, your mom opened up the back door and let them in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that—I that, mean—to to your point of like the um, the rote prayers versus the uh, spontaneous prayers. I'm like, that's the beauty of the of the church. The Catholic Church is always both and. I'm like, and if you think about that, that makes total sense. Jesus is f- truly God and truly man. That's the contradiction of of our faith. That is the paradox of it all. So that, that's what it means to be symbolic, right? What symbolic means to to Binds together, right? To to uh, bring bring together two things: the the material and or the meaning and the material, right? So these things are brought in together to make something real, right? That's the church. The church, the bride of Christ, is both perfect and in need of conversion, right? Held together in in struggle. But what's what's the opposite of that? That's that's the thing that separates that. The thing that says, "Oh, look how bad the church is here. Oh, look how this is that." That's the, the literal word for that is the diabolic, right? That's what separates. If the symbolic combines, the diabolic is what separates. And that's, again, back to the whole spiritual warfare thing. I'm glad he brought it back to spiritual warfare. <laughs> <laughs> She's I was excited. Like, just, just, just for you, just for you. So, um, so uh, one of the things that a lot of my friends and even Carrie has sometimes expressed to me is like, how are you, how do you feel to spirit or how do you have that connection with God so much and things like that? And I'm like, I don't know. 
I was it's just, a gift, yeah. It, it's a gift, mm-hmm. and like I always jokingly say it, but I, in all seriousness, the the more you have the gift, the more spiritual warfare you're going to experience, oh, the more suffering you're going to go through. It's something I kind of wish people did have, but at the same time, because of what I've been through, I don't wish it on my friends. Like, I'm like, I hope you have some other type of gift because this gift is like, yeah, Satan tries to attack me all the time. Yeah. Like, it, it sucks. And like, and since I don't have my family to talk to because mm-hmm. they're not as strong in the faith, I am alone all yeah. the time. But I'm not alone because I know I have God, you know, and Jesus and the spirit with me. Um, but spiritual warfare is no joke. Like, I pray for my family every day. When I wake up, I'm like, oh, thank you, God, I woke up today. You know, like little things like that. Because um, when you have this gift, it's it's a big responsibility. You are literally trying to end, um, like, a lot of generational trauma. You're trying to make the corrections for things that your grand-grand-grandfather, great-grand-grandfather, whatever, however it goes down, like, anything they did that was wrong, I am trying to make right. Because the the gift in me is telling me you have to make sure you make peace. There has to be the peace in your home. You have to repair broken relationships with your aunt and your and your dad or um, whoever's fighting in your family. You have to take that responsibility. And and everybody just looks at you like you're weird. But <laughs> well, that's like, how you know you're doing the right thing, right? right? But it's like this is God's assignment for me. It's not easy. No one's going to believe me. But I'm like, yeah. Your gift that you're born with, it's going to call you to do something. But the spiritual warfare that comes when you have, like, the gift of the spirit, it's very real. Yeah. Retweet. <laughs> Retweet a million times. <laughs> Actually, make that a trillion. <laughs> All right, guys. So, yeah, anything, any last words, any last thoughts, any last advice that you want to give to the people out there? Um, I want to say as this uh, first season of Coffee and Creed wraps up, um, I think of it as like, you know, a series on Netflix. Like <laughs> next year is a new season, new friends, new people. We'll jump the shark show up in Russia. Right. <laughs> shark week. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, having this podcast just inspire more new characters. Yeah. <laughs> more new people and just like a bigger community as we grow. And Amen. Yeah. Anybody else? Last words? Hmm. That's a good thing. That's a good end to me. Oh, there you go. I just want to say thank you for having us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, this was great. All right. So let's. You, you, anything? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you for having us and hope to see you next time. All right. Sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can catch us on uh, social medias. Uh, we're at Among Wolves Pod. Um, subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. Um, yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. God bless. Bye.